Good morning, Novation family. Um, I thought I would share what my mask looks like. Since I haven't got to see you, I guess you can see, see my mask. One thing about these masks is it sure lets you know how rancid your breath can get. <laughs> it's a breath meter, right? But uh, man, I was, uh, this allergy season has been crazy. Like there's pollen. I, pollen is for sure from the devil, right? I was listening to myself speak last week and it was a rough allergy uh, week for me. And I sounded like Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. Like that's what the whole sermon sounded like. So I apologize for that. Hopefully it's a little bit better this week. So there were, uh, there were three men that went camping in the woods and uh, they were came across this river that was just roaring and they needed to get to the other side to where their campsite was going to be. And they looked at the situation and the first guy said, okay, I'm going to pray. And he prays and he says, God, make me big and strong so that I can swim across this river. And sure enough, boom, all of a sudden he's got guns and big guns on, for arms and his legs are strong and he, he fights his way across the river and barely makes it. And then the second guy saw that happen. And so he prays and he says, God, make me strong, but also give me the tools to get across. And all of a sudden, boom, he's big and strong and he has a, a rowboat. And so he paddles and fights his way across it, makes it just before he's about to capsize, he, he makes it across the river. And then the third guy assesses the situation, saw what had just happened. And he says, okay. He says, um, Lord, give me the strength, give me the tools and give me the intelligence to get across this river. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, he's turned into a woman. <laughs> and then he, she, I guess now looks at the map which men we never do, right? Looks at the map and realizes all I got to do is walk a hundred yards upstream. I'll cross the bridge, make my way across. Perspective. Women have perspective sometimes that we as men don't have. But life is so much about perspective. Any given circumstance, any situation, um, you're going to get different perspectives. If we all witnessed a, a, a car accident, we was five of us and we witnessed a car accident, we're going to have five different angles, five different perspectives on what happened in that car accident. Well, when life is difficult and one of the hardest things to do when life is dif difficult is to keep the right perspective because the world, you know, it can be chaotic, can be confusing, can be difficult. So perspective is everything. I believe wisdom is being able to have God's perspective and interpretation of life, being able to see life and interpret life through God's understanding of, of his, his creation. That's why we ask him for wisdom, being able to see life through the perspective of faith, having faith, having faith in who Jesus says he is, who Jesus, what he's done for us and who we are because of him and what he's promised. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith 
is being sure of what we hope for. Being sure of what we hope for. We need to have our hope in things that can't be taken away from us. Our ultimate hope has to be in eternal things, having an eternal perspective. And then the writer of Hebrews says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Certain of what we do not see. Second Corinthians 5, uh, 5, 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We have struggles in not walking by sight, right? I mean, walking by sight is, you know, it's what can be discerned by our natural abilities, what we see. But faith is being able to see beyond the natural and believe and take in God's promises. So today we're continuing in this series called Rooted, where we're, we're looking at the, the letter to the Ephesian church from the Apostle Paul. And he, he writes this letter to this church that he had started. He had spent three years with people who had never heard about Jesus, makes disciples, raises up leaders, and now he's writing them a letter to encourage them that they're rooted in Christ, that they're rooted in, in grace, root, to be rooted in prayer and peace. And as we're going to look today, to be rooted in faith. Paul is such an important person to understanding the New Testament, to understanding the Bible, to understanding Jesus. Paul was a, a Pharisee, a religious leader, who he thought he was doing God a favor by snuffing out Christians and, and persecuting them. And he, he uh, met Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And Jesus just totally changes the direction of his life, his perspective. He gives him grace and he calls him to be the messenger of his good news. Just like Jesus, he takes people who are at enmity with him and makes them his, his voice in the world. Paul, his whole perspective changed. His whole life was rearranged, redirected to the point that he went from being this guy that was doing evil in the name of God to a guy who now loved God and loved people and walked with such humility. He was, he was a proud religious guy that was now a humble voice of the gospel. His perspective was, was completely changed. So we're going to go through chapter three, all of chapter three today and talk about how do we stay rooted in faith? How do we stay rooted in faith? Let me pray. God, as we continue in your word, we pray today, Lord, increase our faith in Jesus name. Amen. The first thing that Paul teaches us to stay rooted in our faith is to see life's difficulties from an eternal perspective. See life's difficulties from an eternal perspective. Life is hard. Life is filled with suffering. Life is filled with trials, difficulties. Following Jesus doesn't shield us from the difficulties of life. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trials and sorrows of many kind. He says, but take courage. I've overcome 
the world. I've overcome all these things. He wants us to look out into the eternal promises of the kingdom of God where there will be no sin, no suffering, no trials. It will be pure bliss and joy with him for all of eternity. We're not there yet. We often get discouraged when life brings difficulties because we want this life to be heaven and it never will be. Um, as, as good as life can be, it's, it's not heaven. And so we have to keep that mindset and expect difficulties to come in our life. We're caught off guard because we don't expect it. On a scale of one to 10 right now, how's your faith? Let's say one means your faith is shaky. 10 means your faith is solid. What would you give yourself today? How would you rate your faith? Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Hopefully we're all growing in our faith. But if, if today your faith feels shaky, um, put into practice what we're going to learn from this letter today. And you'll see how God is going to work in your life. Paul says in verse one, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He's in jail for preaching the gospel. He's in prison for telling people that God loves them and that there's this King Jesus who came and died and rose again. People didn't want to hear that. It was political and it was religious reasons, but he was in prison. But Paul was convinced that his life was under the sovereign lordship of God. Whether good or bad, what he went through, it was all under the sovereign hand and plan and purposes of God. Even this imprisonment, he didn't want the Ephesians, as we're going to find out in verse 13, he didn't want them to be discouraged. He didn't want them to freak out about him being, you know, imprisoned. That God was actually working this to grow the church and grow people's faith. Suffering shakes our faith. Suffering causes our faith to get to, you know, to see if our faith is real or not. Paul wanted the Ephesians, and I believe God wants us to know this, that, that there is, is, you know, no suffering is for nothing. God works in the middle of all suffering. And that for us as believers, no suffering will ultimately hurt us. And that all of our difficulties, all of our suffering will work for good because God is on the job. It'll work for our good and for his glory. Romans 8, 28 says that we know in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purpose. What a great promise. God doesn't call suffering and difficulties good. What he's going to do through that in his sovereignty is what he calls good. And so we need to take that by faith and see life's difficulties from an eternal purpose, that God's working it for good. Go out into eternity and work backwards. Go out to the place in your mind where there is no difficulty, no suffering, no sorrow, and, and take whatever your present trial is and, and try to you know see it from an eternal perspective that this isn't going to, this isn't going to destroy me this is actually developing my character. It's developing my faith. My mom went to be with Jesus a couple years ago. 
And in the latter years of her life, she suffered a lot of physical pain, a lot of difficulties. And she used to tell me, she'd say, you know, I don't think, you know, why me when it comes to this? She said she'd think to herself, why not me? The reason my mom could say that was because she had an eternal perspective. Second thing, to stay rooted in faith, see life through the lens of God's grace. See life through the lens of God's grace. Do you realize how graceful God has been to you? Do we realize how amazing grace really is? His unmerited favor upon our lives. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? Are we still amazed by grace? Because when you understand God's powerful, loving, merciful grace, man, it increases your faith. Paul goes on to say this. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. He uses the word mystery regarding God's grace. It's, it's this mystery, the mystery made known by revelation, the mystery of Christ. When we think of mystery, we tend to think of like murder mysteries, you know, novels or movies or the game, or maybe if you're old enough, the Hardy Boys, <laughs> Gen X right there. Um, or, you know, even Scooby-Doo, right? Scooby-Doo is always about the mystery, right? Solving the mystery, pulling off the mask and finding Farmer Brown <laughs> as the culprit behind there. But the word mystery here, the word that Paul is using, the Greek word, means something that's revealed by God because we could never find it on our own. Like God had to open Paul's mind to understand the mystery of the grace of God. It's, it's counterintuitive revelation. You know, you think of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, the law, the golden rule, do unto others as you know, you'd have them do unto you. Like, that's not a mystery. Like, that makes sense. The gospel is a mystery. You know, earning our, earning favor with people, earning a living, all the things that we can use the word earn for, makes sense to us. Because that's, you know, that's how, what comes natural. But the point of this about God's grace is God's grace is, has nothing to do with earning only by receiving you receive the gift of jesus the gift of grace you receive it you open it and then you share it with others that's god's grace and i can tell you this that knowing that god's grace is a, is a gift and not to be able to be earned is is huge for your faith to grow if you're busy today and every day trying to work for god trying to prove yourself to God, trying to earn his favor and forgiveness, your faith is going to be shaky. Because how do we know if we've been good enough, done enough? That's why it's by grace. We're trusting in what God has already promised us in the person of Jesus. 
In my 27 years of, of following Christ, the people that I meet and talk to that have the most, the strongest faith are people who understand God's grace. They understand his favor is not, is not earned. It's not merited. It is something that's received in our life. So see life through the lens of God's grace. The third thing Paul teaches us to be rooted in faith is to see your life as a mission from God. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. Making sure you're paying attention now that I have your attention again. He goes on and he says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Often when people that don't believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, or go to church, the first thing they think of when they think of Christians is what Christians are against. And sadly, if Christians are known more for what they're against than what they're for, I think we're, we're missing our mission and, and our, our purpose and our calling. See, I think we need to be known for what we're for more than what we're against. And we have to remember that God is for love because he's love. God is for peace because he is peace. God is for life because he is life. He gives us new life and eternal life through Jesus. God is for truth because he's truth and his words are true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we need to speak the truth and love to people. So I think we need to see our, our mission in life as promoting that which, what, what God is for. Promoting love, promoting peace, promoting life, promoting truth. But we have to do that through His power. We can't do it on our own. We'll mess up. But when we have His power, you know, we can, we can do the mission that He's given us. God, sometimes when we think of God's power, we tend to only think of the, the mystical side of God's working power and we don't see it practically. But when, the practical working of God's power is when we look at each other and say, there's no way I could have orchestrated that. There's no way that man could have done that by himself. That's God's power practically. God demonstrated that for me personally um, uh, years ago. And in 2009, I wrote a book called Noblesse Oblige, which is French for your noble obligation. And it's a book to, that's a life message for me to help people find their mission in life. And I was on staff at Faith Bible Chapel in Arvada. And after service one day, a guy came up to me, a young man, he came up to me and he, he, he said, I have a gift for you, Pastor Scott. And he handed me this African handmade garb. And he began, he said, can I tell you a story? And I, I said, sure. And so he said, my parents gave me your book and, and I read it on a flight from America to Nigeria. I was going to go do some studies in Nigeria. And so I read this book and he said, to be honest with you, it like, it like, uh, you know, 
refan the flame for Jesus in my life that had been waning a bit, been smoldering. He said that uh, the reason that he was going to Nigeria and to study was he wanted to study this religion called Ifu. And Ifu, in that they, they believe they can talk to the dead. He said, my mom died when I was a teenager and it, it broke my heart. And I, I wanted to do whatever I could. I just wanted closure and I wanted to, to, to talk to her. So I was going to practice this, this false religion. And he said that when he, when he got there, that he, he stayed at the house of a professor at the college he was going to study at. And the, he happened to be a pastor as well. And he said, son, he said, said, tell me your story. Why are you here? And he told him about Ifu and that he was here to, you know, talk to his mom and, and all of that. And he said that the, the man looked at him and he said, oh, son, he said, uh, that's not why you're here. Jesus orchestrated all of this so that I could reintroduce you to him and so that you could know him. And he gave his life back to Jesus, had a powerful encounter. And uh, it's the power of God. We think something's working in one situation, but God's got another plan. And he said that the man saw my book and he said, oh, what, what, can I read it? And he, he read my book. He translated into his native language and passed it out to, to other, other Christ followers and church leaders. And the reason I tell you that is I remember writing the book and going, thinking to myself, wouldn't somebody in Africa, you know, what would they do if they read the words that I'm, I'm writing here? And I remember thinking to myself, they wouldn't want, who, who wants to hear from some white suburban American guy? I, I wouldn't have anything to say to them. And I remember thinking that. And yet God said, okay, let me demonstrate my power to you, Scott. And I was so floored and humbled by that story. First of all, thanking God that this young man had came back to a relationship with Jesus, but that God used little old me. I had influence on somebody in Africa. That's nuts. Only, only God can pull that off. The fourth thing, way to stay rooted in faith is see your walk with Jesus from the perspective of we rather than me. That's the whole of this book of Ephesians is this is about we, not individuals. Your walk with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. It's not. It's, none of us walk with walk alone with Jesus. This is a corporate thing, collectively, us together. You introverts are going, dang it. I love online church. <laughs> we'll be meeting together again soon. Paul goes on, he says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that's a, a porterhouse stake of theology right there. And I'm going to attempt to maybe help us un understand that a little bit. 
He's saying that through the church, through this remaking of humanity through Jesus Christ, no longer Jew or Gentile, but one new humanity in Jesus Christ is what he was doing. And it's us together, different languages, different cultures, different expressions, um, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, now in Christ and through Christ. It's changed lives, lives that were not aligned with the will of God that are now becoming aligned with the will of God. Each one of us, you and I, are more than a name. You're more than a name. I'm more than a name. You're a story that's being written by God. That's being, your life is being worked and molded by the gospel, by God. So everything you've been through, going through, going to go through is the story of God working in and through each of us. The church is that, that's us collectively together. The church is his eternal purpose, he said. And the purpose of the church, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. It's a flavor enhancer. It's a healing agent. That's describing the church right there. And it is a, uh, something that creates thirst. When we're salty, people see our lives and they want to come and have what we have, the living waters of, of Jesus. And he said, you're the light of the world. That means when we're walking with Jesus and walking in his light, we're illuminating in a dark world the light of God. We do that through love, unity, and in the power of community and, and working the one another's in and through each one of us, praying for one another, caring for one another, loving one another. That's why we have home groups. Um, I think during this quarantine, this online time where we can't meet together has shown me so much about our church that, that we were never built on the Sunday show or just Sundays. That we've been built on relationships and community, seeing how home groups virtually meeting together, praying together, the prayer meetings, all these things. Man, it doesn't stop God and it doesn't stop the one another's to be confined, you know, to have these you know, guidelines that we're, we're following right now. The church is the church. And we need to always see ourselves through the, the lens of, of we and not just me. And if you're not connected in a group, man, we want you to be connected in a home group. You can actually try a home group right now without even leaving your home. And so please reach out. We want to make sure that you're, you're connected. That's, that's the real life of the church is those ongoing relationships. Lastly, to stay rooted in faith, see prayer as your lifeline. Literally see it as, as, as your air hose, right? If you're scuba diving, you have the mask and the tank and that air hose, that's your lifeline, right? If that hose breaks, you're in trouble. See prayer as your lifeline. Paul continues, he says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, think, or, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forevermore. Prayer is our lifeline. We talked a couple weeks ago about, about being rooted in prayer and how to pray Paul's prayers. That's another one thing. If you don't know what to pray, just pray what he prayed. Personalize it over yourself. Personalize it over others. And personalize it over, over the church. But three things. Pray, pray with a reason. He said, for this reason, I pray. See prayer as a first response rather than a last resort. Like pray, talk to God all day long. Talk to him to bring your needs and the needs of others to him. Tell him how awesome he is. Ask him to reveal more of himself to you. And then pray with humility. Remember who we're talking to. We're talking to, to the greatest. And he says, for this reason, I kneel. I, I think kneeling is a form of, uh, of surrender, submission. It's a humble posture to have before God. Come before him in your prayers with humility. And then pray with focus. Focus on God the Father. Focus on that in him and through faith in him, we can come to God with freedom and confidence. We don't have to, 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 to be afraid. He invites us to spend time with him, to commune with him. So I'll bring it to a close with this. Um, in Luke 17, 5, the disciples asked Jesus to increase their faith. They had seen him teach and heard what he had to say and see him doing miracles and their heads were spinning a little bit. Like, what, Lord, will you increase our faith? Because, you know, we had our life built a certain way on a foundation that we thought this was the way life was going to go. And you've turned it upside down as we're following you. Will you increase our faith? Would you pray that with, with me? God, increase my faith. Um, I want to, you know, we, I, I asked you earlier, scale of one to 10, where's your faith? So regardless of you feel like you're a one or you feel like you're a 10 right now, shaky faith or strong faith, let's all ask him together to increase our faith. On the notes, there's a, a seven day Bible devotional plan that I want to challenge each of us to take and just take se the next seven days to let our roots go deeper in faith. This Bible plan is all built around building your faith. So follow the link that's on the notes and you can sign up for that plan or, um, you know, it's on the screen as well. And you can, you can, let's do that together. I can't wait to hear stories of faith and stories of how God worked in our lives.
Let's pray. Lord, we ask you today as your disciples to increase our faith. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your promises of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, that you've overcome the world. I pray for those today whose faith is, is, is shaky, whose faith is being tested by circumstances. God, remind us that we're not being destroyed by our problems. We're being developed. Help us to have that kind of vision. Help our faith in who you are, Lord Jesus, strengthened, rooted deeper. God, I pray your, your richest blessings over everybody watching. In Jesus' name, amen.